I have already I have already read fifteen or so of those taxes, alcohol tax, federal gasoline tax, state gasoline tax, local gasoline tax, federal inheritance tax, state inheritance tax, gift tax, bridge toll tax, marriage license tax, hunting license tax, fish license tax, bike license tax, dog permit tax, state park permit tax, watercraft registration, licensing fee tax, stadium uh, sports stadium tax, bike nature trail permit taxes, court case filing fee taxes, uh, retirement account early withdrawal penalty tax, individual health insurance mandate tax, hotel stay tax, plastic surgery surcharge, soda fatty food tax, air transportation tax, electronic transmission of tax return fees, passport application renewal fees, the luxury and gas guzzler car taxes, new car surcharge, license plate and car ownership transfer taxes, yacht and luxury boat taxes, jewelry taxes, state and local school tax, recreational vehicle tax, sales tax, special assessments for road repairs and construction taxes, gun ownership permit taxes, kitty tax, fuel gross receipts tax, waste management tax, oil and gas assessment tax, IRA rollover tax or withdrawal penalties, use taxes on out-of-state purchases, tax on non-qualified health savings account distributions, individual and small business surtaxes, Estimated income tax underpayment penalty, alternative minimum tax on income, federal corporate income tax, state corporate income tax, tax registration fee for businesses, employer social security tax, employer Medicare tax, federal unemployment tax, state unemployment tax, business registration renewal tax, workers' compensation tax, tax on imported and exported goods tax, oil storage inspection fee tax, employer health insurance mandate tax, excise tax on charitable hospitals, tax on innovations and drug company taxes, tax on Medicare device manufacturer taxes, tax on health insurer taxes, excise tax on comprehensive health insurance plan, tax on indoor training services, utility users tax, internet transaction tax, professional license tax, uh, franchise business tax, tourism tax, wiring inspection tax, household employment tax, biodiesel fuel tax, FDIC tax, Electronic waste recycling fee, hazardous material recycling tax, uh, food and beverage license fees and taxes, estimated income tax, underpayment penalty, building construction permit taxes, zoning permit. I mean, the list just doesn't quit. And I got to thinking, as we're talking about the essence of money, um, now I guess I don't know if I've got that here anymore. Um, well, I took a couple notes on that. And let's see if I still had that. Do you know that an individual in their lifetime is going to pay a half a million dollars in taxes? So... Yeah. A couple with a couple with both and that's, working. That's not the interest. It's <laughs> not even the interest. I pay pay the quarter million in taxes, and then maybe I don't know. What do you think? Another quarter million in in interest. It's not a half million in interest, and then you can keep a quarter of it after. 
Well, it, it's probably a smaller percentage of that. Uh, the tax, I mean, I guess the tax on a half a million, it, you know, is probably on the order of, of perhaps a hundred thousand, maybe somewhere less than that. If, if uh, considering the interest on that, that's basically being lent to you so that you can pay your taxes and that's your point. But, you know, think about it. So uh, a, a couple in their lifetime working for 40 years will pay $50,000 on everyday expenses, $180,000 in property tax, $50,000 in various taxes and fees related to ownership of two cars. In other words, gas tax, road tax, all of that stuff that's rolled into, you know, things that you, you have to do with cars and $600,000 in tax they'll pay on wages. This is from the CPA practice advisor. And so that that's a couple, two individuals. But as an individual, 300 more than $300,000 will just go to your your income taxes, 25,000 on everyday expenses. And if it was one individual, they'd paid somewhere around in the order of eighty to $80,000 in property tax. So you almost have to double that with two of you working. It's not, no, you don't have to double the property tax with two of you working. It's just if two of you are working, you're probably going to live in something that is higher priced and therefore you'll have a, a higher property tax. Uh, yeah, right. That's People just, tend to scale their lifestyle. Well, well, to the, one reason to the edge is of what, you're, what they can afford. Well, right. I mean, if you're married, you, chances are you're going to have two or three children. You're going to need the two or three bedroom house. If it's just you or Jeremiah, and and you spend fifteen or twenty years living alone by yourself, um, and you did have your own home you would buy something that was probably, you know, a one or a two bedroom. You know, you wouldn't be buying the three bedroom or the four bedroom because you have, you know, the family has, has there's growth in the family. So it's, it's going to automatically scale you up in the house just because naturally you would, you know, you would do that. And, you know, and forgive me, you know, all I can think about this weekend is, you know, forgive me if I'm not waving my flag. You know, um, I, I remember these these men and women who have died, but I don't remember them in the same way that other people remember them. They they remember them and talk about the sacrifice that they made to make me free. And I have taken a different look at that completely. I look at it and I think, what a waste of the lives and the dreams and the ambitions that these individuals had are well ahead of them yet to forge. And, you know, and, and so those lives were lost and those dreams and ambitions were lost and all because of wars and conflagrations that they were engaged in that we had no purpose and business being in whatsoever. I really did. I, I called Russell this weekend and I said, is there a single conflagration that we can actually say 
at least in our lifetimes that we could, and even even our parents' lifetime, honestly, that we could say was not essentially a banker's war or for the interest of the people who were running the game. Uh, it's just astounding when you step back at it and look at it. And of course, you know, people would throw up, well, World War Two, you know, we fought the Germans in World War One, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, you've you've got to reanalyze your understanding of what some of these conflagrations were really all about, and when you do that, you've really got to be scratching your head and saying, you know, no, I'm not proud of this this record. I, I'm not proud of this. You know, I go to this U.S. debt clock all the time just to ground myself in the reality of it, frankly. And, you know, I, I, I wish that other people would, would do it as well. You know, I've encouraged people, download this thing and put it on your phone. And, you know, once a week, take a look at it. $148 trillion. I told Kevin today, I said, Kevin, I said, what we have right now is literally taking the shackle and strapping it around our children's ankles and saying, you take care of this. I got this coming to me. $148 trillion in unfunded liabilities. That means every federal pension that has not been funded, the Medicare liability, the Social Security liability that is yet to be funded for 100 million baby boomers retiring at 10,000, what is it, a month? 100,000 a year? Um, no, it's bigger than that. It's 10,000 a week, I think it is. 40,000 a month is a half a million a year. For 20 years would be 100,000. That's exactly right. So there we are. And um, that liability, interesting enough, on that U.S. debt clock is a half a million, 444000 give or take some change. So that personal liability per citizen <coughs> is looming out there. Now, those are just unfunded liabilities. I just gave you the half a million dollars in taxes that you're going to pay. And in taxes, 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 a half a million and a million, a million in liability per citizen. And I closed that window of that, that um, website, the um, um, CPA website. So when you take, but, but it, it also gives you a column of the average income of a lifetime. And nearly every state is right around 1.3 to 1.6 million dollars. When I did the workshops, you remember Isaac, I would use the example: a person goes to work at the age of 25, he exits the age of 65. Let's say he earns 40,000 a year. He'll start lower when he's younger. He'll end up higher when he's older. So, for ease of computation and calculation, let's use 40,000, 25 years, you're a millionaire. Take that million dollars and you write that at the top 
$1 million is my lifetime earnings. And then I'm going to take out all of the interest that I'm going to pay, the $220,000 in interest that I'll pay on a 30-year note on my home, the, the four cars that I'll buy on debt over the, the same span of time, and the interest that I'll spend, you know, there, of, you know, whatever that amount was. And by the time you calculate this whole thing down and you subtract, and, and again, I didn't even subtract these taxes and fees, but at the end I would say, well, that basically leaves you about $176 a week to pay taxes with, <laughs> which is all of these taxes I just listed, to buy groceries with, and you know to save for a vacation and your retirement and this is the oppression that we're talking about in the bible and if we cannot understand the essence of money and i don't mean to pound something that i guess people might think is just ridiculous and that it is you know well who doesn't know about money and you know you pay bills with it and good grief uh you know but no, we don't understand this. We don't understand what we are doing if we have 150, 000, $150 trillion in unfunded liability. We clearly don't understand money. Is it just me or... <laughs> Man. So, Rich, did I leave off some taxes uh, that 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 you have in Massachusetts? Well, the uh, governor wants to raise the gas tax by fifty cents a gallon, so we're real happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in Illinois, our vehicle registration fees keep going up. I think we're at we're at at least 150 a year trailer. I have a four by eight utility trailer that costs me $105 a year. Yeah, he was in Montana. What's that? Better register it in Montana. How is it in Montana? Free? No, it's pretty cheap though. Yeah, Wisconsin uh, was free. You didn't have to register trailers up there. I don't know if that's changed. No, that hasn't changed yet. No. No, I haven't registered the trailer. But I think Michigan's got it, you know. So I have to be careful when I'm going through there that I don't, don't get somebody in behind me that wants to know but when they see my Wisconsin plate I you know that's the thing going from state to state you're still somewhat covered by by that so but um, it's just amazing to me Um, but you know if we're you know if we're not going to take these principles of God to heart, especially as Christians, um, you know, and and talk about them and share them 
you know, with people routinely so that they understand. In fact, I was reading an article today who I suppose he's a Christian. He's writing in a Christian manner in terms of he's, he's bringing out scriptures from the Bible. And I was reading an article that, that he had written, and he's a Black Lives Matter, um, you know, uh, proponent. And I, I would contend that it's because he doesn't actually know who's behind Black Lives Matter. But he talks about oppression and things of that nature and what, uh, you know, it means and how biblical Babylon was the essence of oppression and it became the sim- symbol and even the symbology in Revelation of, of the oppressive uh, Babylonian system. And, you know, if, if we're not looking at a Babylonian system, it, it's just like I said in this, in this part four on the essence of money, any of you that have had a chance to listen to it, it's like when the scripture is telling, when you're telling, when God is actually telling Jacob Israel, Ephraim specifically, that he's acting like a Canaanite, and the Canaanites of the ancient Phoenicians that were, you know, uh, predominant in their oppressions, and and that the you know the the Hittite lineage and others were from, and those of the Esau line that married into that Hittite lineage, and you're just looking at God essentially saying, you know, why shouldn't I refer to you as a Canaanite? because you're acting like a Canaanite. And I was talking to Kevin, my state representative today, and I said, Kevin, I said, this is, this is, this is crazy. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion, because Russell and I have talked about this, and, and Rich and I years ago had these conversations too. We asked these questions, why does it not seem that God is willing to, to, intervene basically and i've come to the conclusion that he's not willing to intervene because there's no repentance see we're still out here running around waving our flag under his nose that would be just like the incense of our gods you know under his nose and we're waving this flag and this banner banner as if we're proud and that we're rich, and we're nothing but poor, miserable wretches. We have promised to everybody, every federal worker is a millionaire because of the pensions that are worked into the deal. Um, Do you have a million-dollar pension plan worked out for you, Isaac? You know? Um, Uh, Yeah, unfortunately not. (laughs) Fortunately, I do not. Fortunately for everybody else. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and so, Rich, I'm sure it's the same way. You know, we, we have to forge that million-dollar um, retirement, if you will, and, and we have to do it without expecting somebody else to pay for it because we're unwilling to pay for it and to work for it. We just want it granted us on usury. And this is the hardest thing for me to express and get people to understand because 
they just I think it's because it's so ingrained in their minds that it's okay for me to have a 401, a 503, you know, my mutual funds or whatever invested and it's giving me a rate of return. And so therefore, I never think about the fact that it's costing Isaac and Joanna more for diapers and toilet paper because I want Walmart and whomever, you know, Walgreens or, you know, whoever they, they have to buy their, their products and goods from, I'm costing them more money because I want this 10, 11, 12% rate of return in the future on the $1,000 I'm giving them today. It's as stupid as I've tried to express with our money system. Why should I give Isaac, a, Isaac, I'm the, I'm the civil administration, and I say to Isaac, I need some money, Isaac. I don't want to print too much money, so I need some money. Will you give me $1,000? If you give me $1,000, Isaac, I'll give you um, uh, $1,100 in five years. I'll give you $1,500 in 10 years, and I'll give you um, $2,000 in, in 20 years. Okay, why didn't I just print the $1,000 and buy the things or pay the expenditures that needed to be paid by the civil administrator, why did I take, and the same thing goes for gold, why not just produce the gold, mine it out of the ground, produce the gold, and pay for the goods and services? Because the only way money is anything at all is when we are canceling debt with it. You go to the store, you buy a pickaxe, and the merchant says, I already paid for that pickaxe. If you want the pickaxe from me, you now have to pay me and cancel the debt. And so we cancel the debt only with money. But if we have a promise to pay or something that operates as money and Isaac is willing to accept my hundred dollar denominational note for a hundred dollars that he can give to the merchant down the road that says I can you know I will accept the same hundred dollars for a hundred uh, uh, bushels of wheat or grain for the sheep then it's a done deal everybody has canceled that debt but somehow when we enter this arena in a civil administration we think that it's okay to take this credit card that we have called the credit of the United States and go out there and borrow it up. The sky is the limit and promise future remunerations to people for money that we do not have for production that has not been generated yet. It's, it, it, it's insane. And I don't understand why, it's so difficult for people to grasp or why they're so adverse to it because I have this conversation with people and they just look at me like I wasn't even speaking because it's, I I don't know if it's because it's cognitive dissonance. They don't want to accept the fact that they are acting as a user 
and that they are expecting this money. And I have, I'm not talking about money you paid into Social Security and you're getting back. I'm talking about the teachers who retire and are expecting me to pay for them to no longer work. I'm talking about the auto workers who I'm now paying for three and four generations of retirees, which is why my truck will cost me $70,000 if I were to buy a truck today, which I obviously cannot. And yet nobody sees the problem with this. And I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it differently. Um, I feel like in many respects that when I say these things, they just don't want to hear it or that they're um, not interested. So what do you think, Isaac, uh, based on what you've learned and what you're seeing and experiencing out here now? Sorry, I have a kiddo running around excited in the background. Yeah. Well, I guess I think this might be difficult. Um, oh, here comes the car. Hold on. Well, I think that if you tax people enough, then they've got to use what little energy they've got left to keep their head just above water, and then uh, they're not going to be worried too much about about your ideas, good or bad. And I think overall that's a situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. You know, if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then the all of the resources that we use are his resources. Whatever we do to bring them into fruition and in a usable commodity and so forth is is what is produced from the land. And people's access to the land in the days of Solomon, um, you know, the scripture says that everybody, I think it's in Second Kings or Second Chronicles, you know, everybody was under their own vine. And, um, you know, when we're looking at the biblical model here, we do nothing uh, with any of the, the, the Levitical commands regarding land. We do nothing with regards to, you know, the usury system and taking no usury of a brother. We don't apply that. We don't recognize it. We don't acknowledge it as being anything. Um, you know, Kevin, a state representative, and I said to him, I said, why, why would we do this? I gave the example of, you know, why would I, you know, as, a, as the government sell this bond to somebody and they give me $1,000, and I'm going to agree to pay them more in the future for something that I had the power within my hand to print the $1,000 and pay for the debt. And only Did he by talk that, about inflation? I don't know much about this, but what I've heard was that if you just print it, then that's just 
outright inflation. And that's effectively the invisible tax on all the money that's already out there, right? They can take away your money if it's printed without ever even reaching into your pocket just by deval making more and devaluing what you have. So if you sell it as a, a bond, then it's not in circulation. So the inflation is somewhat postponed. Does that make sense? Um, Benjamin Franklin, 1763. You see, a legitimate government can both spend and lend money into circulation. While banks can only lend significant amounts of promissory banknotes, for they can neither give away nor spend but a tiny fraction of the money the people need. Thus, when your bankers here in England place money in circulation, there is always a debt principal to be returned and usury to be paid. The result is that you have always too little credit in circulation to give the workers full employment. You do not have too many workers. You have too little money in circulation. And that which circulates all bears the endless burden of unprofitable debt usury, unpayable debt and usury. In the colonies, we issue our own money. It is called colonial scrip. We issue it in proper proportions to make the products pass easily from producer to consumer. In this manner, creating ourselves our own paper money, we control its purchasing power and we have no interest to pay to no one. So I would say, Isaac, that what you hear about what causes inflation, we always have to remember careful about the source, right? So depending on where the source of the information is coming from as to who is telling us and what the motivations might be behind why they are telling us what they are telling us has to be our first critical line of thinking. So, for example, <clears throat> if, if the same thing that makes a bond good is the same thing that makes the currency good. If, if I issue you a bond, which you can use as money, right, in the future, because it's just the promise that you are going to get a certain amount of money or that is valued at a certain amount of money is really the way to look at it. But to offer that bond at interest to you is insane. That's like, and, and here's the example. It's your credit when the, when the Constitution says Congress shall have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Okay, whose credit is that? It's the citizen of the United States. So if I'm going to borrow money on Isaac's credit, what's to stop me from borrowing money on Isaac's credit? As long as the lender is willing to continue to up the credit limit every time I borrow. The only person to stop me from borrowing on Isaac's credit and 
to the limit that I can has to be Isaac stepping in and saying, stop the credit advancement that is happening on my credit here that this guy over here has gotten. And that's the first thing you did. If your identity was stolen and you had credit or cards or anything else, the first thing you would do would be call the bank and stop the credit, right? Stop the access. But somehow when it's government, we don't operate the same way. We don't even think of it the same way. And that's exactly what has happened is the credit has been charged and charged. Jeremiah, I need a charge, please. Thank you. And um, uh, (laughs) there's no limit. There's, There's no limit. There was nothing ever built into this Constitution. Yes, they tried to pass a constitutional amendment for a balanced budget amendment. I guess that really never went anywhere. Um, But a balanced budget is just another gimmicky trick and so forth. So um, um, I don't know if Jeremiah heard me or... uh, on a different page on the web thing here so guys so give me a break here and let me uh, you can take it Isaac if you had some thoughts on what I've said so far uh, yeah I guess one brief thought you know I was thinking there's a corollary between uh, this this uh, money situation, the money printing situation, and how our supposed unalienable uh, rights work. Um, Because if we have, in the U.S., we supposedly have the right to pursuit of happiness, right? well, that's those are just words, right? That's just something some people wrote down. Uh, who's going to guarantee those rights? That's going to be uh, when some other group of people, another country maybe, comes up against the U.S. Uh, and tries to take those rights away from us. Uh, you don't have those rights unless a group of uh, your fellow countrymen are going to go out there and uh, put their spend their lives to uh, pay for that right that that we say that you that, that we have right. So that's another form of of debt that that's not that's not money, but it certainly has more value value than money. Does that make any sense? Well, well, yeah, and that's that's like the whole thing with the you know memorial uh, day and so forth i would love to be able to honor these individuals for having fought for and defended um these rights that you just spoke about um right that's not that's not what they're out there for that's and in those instances that's not what they're out there for exactly that if, if that is what if that is what was the purpose and so forth, then why are we 
why are we going in debt? And see, this brings us right back to, to Deuteronomy 28. You know, if, if we're supposed to be a, a, a lender to many nations, but a borrower of none, then, you know, something is going on here because, you know, we're in debt to our eyeballs. And as I say, the scripture says, you know, you think you're rich and you think you're, you know, uh, plush in your delicacies, but you're wretched, naked, and poor. And everybody has to live in, in this society with, you know, a million dollars, as we just shared, a half a million in taxes and another half a million in, in potential usury interest that is being paid, uh, whether it's on car loans, home loans, student loans, or other types of personal uh, debt, and on on the U.S. debt clock, the personal, the entire personal debt of um, uh, let's see uh, credit card debt is a trillion. That's surprising. It's not more. Student loan debt is one and three quarter trillion. And um, all U.S. total debt means everything that's borrowed money in the United States is $86 trillion, almost $87 trillion. And it's just how can you, you know, and people say, well, that's total U.S. debt. That's. That's businesses and how, and I'm like, yeah. So is any of that a good thing? You know, is any of it a good thing to know that all your businesses, all your households, all your, you know, civil administrative states and everything combined, everything is, is 80, that, you know, you operate $86 trillion in debt. So isn't that living beyond your credit card? You know. And it represents, um, as I say, you know, just the unfunded liabilities is $444,000. And I just cited the taxes that are a half a million dollars. So out of a million six, a million three, and, you know, in New York and some other areas, you know, it was a little bit higher, a million seven. This is one individual's earnings, not two. Uh, you know, million seven, million eight, couple million dollars uh, might have even been. But think about that. You know, that's you're still operating on only you know one third of of what you get, and the whole biblical record continues to talk over and over and share over and over and over again. Um, the the view God has on impression. And he issued a, a safety net in his word for this. He, you know, he's, he's got, first of all, not taking usury. Second of all, he had this, this gift, this thing called, you know, that's been translated through the translation as tithe. And this is your civil administrative, you know, uh, duty or function or responsibility, your your tenth of your increase 
and and that would be an increase tax. It's not uh, at all a ten percent of your production. It would be a tenth a tenth of your increase um, for you to feed yourself and clothe yourself and house yourself is is not a gain. You know, it would be that which you produce after the the basics and. He's got that in the divine immutable laws. You know, when I look at so many things that I've thought about over the past couple of weeks, you know, um, just the divine laws pertaining to just weights and measures. Um, uh, we talked about Leviticus 19 in, and Ezekiel 45, uh, where, you know, we've got the law laid out in Leviticus. And then how God says that they were, you know, impure in their weights and measures in Ezekiel, and um, calling them unjust and deceitful gains and so forth uh, at Micah. I wrote down some scriptures on the usury because people seem not to understand, and they ask, well, why not just call it interest then? Because I don't understand this thing usury. Well. I really like the term usury because I think it's more explicit. And I think that's why they've changed the term, the interest from usury. Because user implies something. You are using somebody. And that's exactly what he calls usury. He says that that no, in Leviticus 25, um, Hold that one open because I didn't write all the scriptures down, um, the the words in each of them. But go to Leviticus 25 and Yeah, might as well begin it in 35. If your brother be waxed poor and shall fall in decay with you, you shall receive him. Yea, though he be a stranger or a sojourner, that he may live with thee. Take no usury of him or increase, but fear God that thy brother may live with thee, that thou shalt not give, thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, nor lend him any victuals or any other for increase. And here in America, everybody thinks, well, my brother's not poor, so it's okay that I can lend to him on, on, on usury or increase and in gain. Um, but that's not what God is saying here. He is, he, if you are going to be a user unto him, um, then essentially you're taking your brother um, Let's suppose that we we set a system of monetary system over over us as brethren, and then we lend to each other with with interest. The person who's getting the gain gets something for nothing. He's producing nothing for it, but yet he gets a gain. He manages the, the books, so to speak. He collects it logs the entry, puts it on the tally stick, which, by the way, tally sticks were a form of money. 
It's basically just bookkeeping, which is what we've had here in America since the federal well, I guess, system. Uh, one thing is the that, that I think is maybe kind of important is that the person that's uh, lending the money, they're obviously losing use of the money uh, for themselves at the present. And the reason that we're as Christians we're supposed to do that with without usury is because then you are uh, giving. You're actually giving something, right? You're exactly. you're giving away the use of that money in the short term so that somebody else can use it and in order to help them. So I think that the the person that's lending the money is losing something, but they're supposed to under God's law. Uh, because he provides them an increase. Yeah. Yeah. And and so um, in in that way, um, if if we're doing it, um, for example, uh, someone else uh, creates the money and says, "Okay, here's the sixty thousand dollars, Isaac. Go buy thee thy house." and enjoy thyself. Okay, but it's at 10% interest, and you're going to pay 120000 back in the course of 30 years, or 160000 or whatever um, it would be. And now, he just profited by, what, you know, eighty to $100,000, and all he did was create the bookkeeping ledger that took it over here and the builder, the plumber, the electrician, the architect, the excavator, and so forth got got paid. And so in the near term, like you say, all of the people who produced got paid. But the guy who created the money did nothing but create the ledger and print the paper notes that said the, the builder can use this for all bets, public and private. And so he goes and tenders those instruments for all bets, public and private. And the plumber does the same and the electrician does the same. And then everybody hands the keys over to Isaac. And I have people (laughs) that'll say to me, well, tell me where we're supposed to go. And that's always the fallback is just, well, where else are we supposed to go? It's it's as if that is the way, the only solution or the answer is to say, well, tell me where it's better. And I I find that incomprehensible. What do you mean, tell you where it's better? So because I point out the flaw, it's like the prophets in the Bible. Because I point out the flaw in what it is that you're doing, you know, you say, well, tell me where it would be better. And in fact, in the scripture that I, I used in part four, I said, you know, when you think about it, they, they basically said, we've, we've got no sin. And, and that's essentially what we find ourselves saying is that, well, you know, where, where am I supposed to go that it's going to be better? Well, wait a minute. If the whole world is doing what Babylon does, doesn't mean you're all supposed to go out there and do what Babylon does. At some point, you're supposed to resist it and and go not the way of Babylon. 
And I really am to this conclusion that I don't see how God can provide a blessing because we can't repent of any of this stuff. It's not just the abortions. We we won't repent of any of these things that is done in this in the in this land. There's no repentance in our heart. We don't think we've done anything wrong. We don't think that we are we we actually think we're clean and washed and we stand before him saying how great are we and i i'm convinced that that it can't that's why there's there's no relief to the wickedness that's happening because we won't repent of our evil ways and there's so much more like i say than just you know a an abortion clinic, you know, or mill in in the country. There's so much more. Ezekiel chapter 18 is an interesting one. Um, the word of the Lord, Ezekiel eighteen one. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, "What mean you that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall not have an occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sins, it shall die. If a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, and has not eaten upon the mountain, neither has lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, neither has defiled his neighbor's wife, has come near to a menstruous woman, and has not oppressed any, but has restored to the debtor his pledge, has spoiled none by violence, has given his bread to the hungry, and has covered the naked with a garment, and that is not given forth upon usury, neither has taken any increase, that has withdrawn his hand from iniquity, has executed true judgment between man and man, has walked in my statutes, and has kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, says the Lord God. Wow. If our brethren is not poor by us and we're not seeing the effects more and more of more and more of us being poor by each other or becoming poor with one another and and to think and consider that we're part of that problem by persisting with this Article 1, Section 8. 
Article 1, Section 8, Congress has the power to coin money and regulate the value thereof. Are they coining the money? No, they're not. It's been given over to a private organization, and it's being lent into circulation at usury. It's being lent into circulation at usury. What would be the difference between just creating the currency that is needed instead of lending it into creation at usury. The only difference is the user. And as I say, what I started finding out as I started to research this stuff, all those quotes that were attributed so much to people and the perils of paper money, that is exactly what the debt user individual would want you to believe. They would want you to believe that you could not issue your own script or your own paper. For example, let's say that we did an economic study and we determined that when a person has a child, it costs them roughly, uh, let's just say $10,000 additionally per year. Now that that may sound like a lot of money, but we're just saying $1,000 a month. So when a when another child is born into the society, there's going to be another $10,000 in goods that need to be purchased. Does that make sense? Everybody? Yep. So, so, so why don't we just issue then into circulation another $10,000 to pay the cost that will be incurred when an, another child is born and those, those consumption costs or that the consumption is going to increase and therefore there will be increased production. So we will need to pay workers for the production of the goods that cost 10,000. So if it costs us 40,000 to produce the goods for 10,000 people, or for $10,000 a year, we would actually need $40,000 in the circulation. And that is the only thing that Congress should be studying, is how much of this money or this medium of exchange is necessary into the circulation to pay the debts. That would be the calculation that would need to be done, and you would do that by studies, and they're already doing those studies. It's called gross domestic product. It's called, um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, gross domestic, I'm looking for the other one. Gross domestic product and... Uh, can't think of it right now. So that's how you would bring money into circulation. In fact, when you, when you go back at the time when we were backed by gold and silver, we only had basically a 30 to 40% reserve, uh, somewhere around 30% reserve, supposedly. Uh, whether we ever had it or not, I don't know. But we've always been taught that, that 
at least by the the gold backed and uh, you know uh, hard money people. We've always they've always taught that you have to have that currency backed by the gold or, or silver in order for it to have value. Well, that's not true because the value is in Isaac taking my money and Jeremiah taking Isaac's money, and we're all agreeing to accept it as as uh, as a payment in cancellation of debt. And that's the essence of money. And so when I take this income of the necessary needs of the gross domestic product, in other words, the cost it takes to produce the goods and the services and, and everything that we need, and I need a certain amount of money in circulation all the time circulating between everybody, and then occasionally I need new infusions. But the 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 paper money uh, and the debt users, they'll be the first ones to cry, oh, it's going to cause rampant inflation. Well, no, it won't. It did in certain circumstances in the co colonies, but they did paper currency for 150 years. That's the point I'm trying to make, is that we had paper currency. And yes, the problem with the, the, the paper currency was because you had 13 colonies each issuing their own, and they would do things to, to actually harm their neighboring states or the neighboring debts by infusing more money than was needed and necessary and devaluating the currency of others and others. And that's why it was so pernicious to them. So the quotes are actually attributable to what they really believed about the things that were going on between the states. And they were happy that there was going to be one consolidated power or one consolidated authority with regards to coining and regulating the value. So there would be one currency. And in fact, those are some of the other quotes that you would read about and hear about is that our money was now stable. It was now stable. And it had the illusion of being backed by gold and silver. And then what happened? They call the government, instead of the hard money people would tell us, well, your gold and silver backing, what that does is as the reserves are drawn down because people are becoming dissatisfied with government, they'll start drawing their gold and silver out. They'll start turning in the currency, the paper currency, for the gold and silver and make the gold and silver draw down. And that would make the government scratch their head and say, oh boy, we better reverse course here. We better tighten our budget, tighten our belt and everything else. And what happened? The government sent out a decree and said, we're broke, you got all the gold and silver, turn it in, or we're going to throw you in jail. So the very thing that the hard money backers were telling us was the safeguard, the government turned right around and said, hey, you're not the government, we are. Turn your gold and silver in, because we're broke, and you've got it all. And so we turn it all in, and then we get the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve notes, well, where's all the gold and silver that was all turned in? Well, I guess it's backing the Federal Reserve's money. Well, what was the difference between backing our own money that we had to transfer it to the Federal Reserve and back it for them? We were the government. We were in charge of coining the money and regulating the value thereof. 
and yet nobody ever talks about that. Isn't it a wonder why nobody ever talks about it? Is it any wonder that it's never the subject of any of your courses in school or anything else? Because they don't want you talking about it. They want you thinking that you're stupid, that only they can understand money. I will grant you this, no matter what you do, they will create chaoses in order to make you think that it's the money that's the problem. If you went back to coining and regulating your own currency without debt usury, and you entered or regulated a sufficient amount into the circulation that is necessary for the gross domestic product to continue, and everybody is paid, and the debts are paid, you would actually become a free people, a truly free people, and you would find the economic boom would just skyrocket. But we can't ever let you on to that fact. We can't ever let you believe or think that interest-free... I don't care if you don't want to believe me. Believe God. God doesn't say anything about you're supposed to uh, engage in a in a debt money system in your country, and in and if if you if you're looking at the amounts of debts that we've got, and that's your sign that we're a good country and that we're a wholesome country, and that we're somebody to be looked up to and admired, and we should wave the flag and say you should be like us, and yet the whole world is coming to us. Because not because of what we are today, but because of what we once were that they still believe in. And then I get this, you know, same retort all the time. Well, well, where will you go? Where, where would you go that it would be any different? That's not the answer. And that's not the retort. The retort should be, that's right, and we need to fix this. And the only way we can fix it is by repenting from our evil ways and our evil doings in it. There's no other way. I don't see any other way. There's never been any other way that I've seen in the Bible. Do we ask God to sacrifice a son again for our sins? Is that what we're supposed to do? I thought the scripture says that we're not supposed to ask him by doing the things that are against his will that we actually crucify him again and again and again. So we're supposed to have just weights and measures. We're not supposed to take any usury. We're not supposed to be debtors. We're supposed to be lenders. We're not to deal dishonestly, Leviticus 19. When you sell your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you're not supposed to oppress him, Leviticus 25. You're not supposed to have unjust gain in trading, buying and selling. Isaiah 33, Proverbs 28, Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 18. Did we lend to the poor amongst us and and say, well, here, we'll lend you $1,000, but pay us 1100 back. Not according to God. We 
we should only be paying taxes for the support of godly governments. Nowhere in the scripture does God implore us to pay taxes for ungodly ungodly government. Uh, I, I'm astounded that we can pay a half a million. I don't know about you guys, but I feel it. You know, and, and I certainly want to always say I'm not begrudging my blessings because I've been abundantly blessed. I have also worked very hard. But in that labor, in that toil, which Solomon's wisdom tells us in Proverbs I'm supposed to do, there will be great reward. But because I say these things, it's as if, well, you know, you don't sound like you're blessed. You sound like you're really negative. You don't sound like you're, you're positive and, and so forth. No, I'm very negative on this system that is destroying the people of the land and then can't understand why all these curses are coming upon us and why all this disarray in the country because we won't abide in his will. And how do you get a people to do that? I thought as Christians, we were ready to do that, that we, we had recognized as Christians that that was his will and that's what he wanted of us. And that we were ready to bow to him and acknowledge him. But when the church has told us that all these laws are done away, we have no application of them. We can't see any application of them. That's why we don't want to have a discussion of these things, because having a discussion of them would put some things in perspective. And, you know, the scripture says, I think it's in Jeremiah, he says, if you had just told my people, taught my people my law, he said they would have turned from their wicked ways. And I really believe that. The people don't know this. How can you turn for something that you don't know is wrong? And I think that's why the flag gets waved in your nose and everything else, and you're supposed to, you know, have this euphoric, uh, you know, idea that, you know, I'm glad I'm an American and I'm proud to be American and all these other you know, feelings and emotions when the reality is we're naked and wretched and poor. And we're teaching every generation to do likewise. And we're shackling a shackle around the future generation's ankles and we're thumbing our nose at it as if it doesn't stink. Nehemiah chapter 9 basically tells us that oppressive taxation is due to the sins of a people. I can give you all the scriptures, a number of scriptures on Money is to be paid for work done and labor performed. Second Kings 12, 
11 to 15, 2 Kings 22, 4 to 6, 2 Chronicles 24, 11 to 13, 2 Chronicles 34, 9 to 11, Ezra 3, 7. I want to make another note that I forgot as I was giving you the analogy a little bit earlier and I was using you, Isaac. Consider this. What if you could receive a tax certificate as money? So in other words, your government gives Isaac a $5,000 tax certificate and that the only thing required of Isaac for that $5,000 tax certificate is Isaac performs $5,000 worth of public service. Would you perform $5,000 worth of public service for a $5,000 tax certificate, which pays your property taxes, all these other various taxes and everything else? You see, because if you didn't want the tax certificate, in lieu of the taxation, let me rephrase that. In other words, the tax certificate could be given you as an incentive for you to assist with public works. This is pretty much what Solomon did when he had uh, the workers um, come in during a period of time, I think it was a few weeks in and a few weeks off or whatever. In the same way, you can do a public works project and you can volunteer for service and duty, which you get a tax certificate for the duty that you did, and therefore you're able to pay that tax. Now, doesn't that make us more involved in our, in our civic uh, duties and stuff like that as well? And uh, we only have managers that we're actually paying salaries for instead of salaries for thousands and thousands of people who want you to pay them a pension of tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars in the course of the lifetime after 50 that they no longer want to work anymore. There's all sorts of ways. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be interesting. It's similar to something I had been thinking about before where uh, well, you guys said you you drove up through New York through uh, uh, the the waterfall area, right? And, and yeah. uh, the it was all run down. The city was all run down. Well, it'd be pretty interesting if if you own a run down, slummy house instead of paying. Uh, say it's say it's even got a really low property tax value on it because or, or uh, property tax on it because it's so run down. So maybe you pay $300 a year on this dump in the middle of a dumpy downtown. Well, what if uh, you could show that you invested $300 into the property over the course of that year, and so now you can have uh, $300 right off on your, on your property tax bill? Um, so if you did that, then or maybe it would have to be double in order to incentivize it. You know, maybe uh, $150 is worth 300 or whatever the trade-off is, so that people start investing in their properties and they uh, improve the city, and then that increases revenue in the city over time because uh, more people are spending money there and all of that. I, there's all kinds of details that have to be worked out with it. Like, oh well, what if? everybody did it and then the city wasn't getting any property tax revenue then what would happen how would the city run you know so you figure all of that out but i think it would work 
Right. Those are those are all things that, you know, when we're so far out of whack, it's hard for anybody to contemplate how you could ever, you know, get back and the path to getting back to it. And you talk about a great reset. Yeah, we need a great reset, all right. And uh, one of the first principles of the great reset should be getting into this Bible and looking at these fundamentals in here and figuring out how to make them applicable today and how to, because you're right, you give somebody the incentive and says, okay, we want to get this town fixed back up and stuff. And so if you buy a property here, we're going to give you $300 off as a credit as you improve your house or, you know, um, that, that'll be a credit. Okay, well, that does not translate into revenue into the, the treasury. But once again, what does the treasury need revenue for? You see, if, if street roads and this work and that work and water lines and all these things need done, all we do is we do them. You pay the plumber, the builder, the electricians, and you pay them. You, you simply print the amount of money that is necessary to pay for those works. And anything else that is produced outside of production there's really nothing that's produced outside of production. Production is production. That is the only thing that anybody actually gets paid for, or paid on, is production. And all of these, we, we actually, we have so much money invested in all of this stuff that is not even necessary. That's what's so confounding. And there's no doubt when you build cities, you have a lot more infrastructure needs and costs than it is when you are laid out over the fruited plain and everybody has a piece of ground that they're able to produce or have production from it. That's an entirely different model than, than cities. And we were even told in the Bible, you're different there's uh, there's different applications when you're in a city than when you're outside. If you choose to go live in a city at some point in your life, there will be certain other cost expenditures that will, will be in that type of lifestyle and living. But still, it doesn't have to be out of hand if it's run in a biblical model uh, uh, environment where there's, number one, just weights and measures, the the pay, um, servant is worthy of his hire, payment before the sun goes down, and uh, you know not lending to your brother at usury and, and so forth. Those are all you know fundamental you know principles that that if applied, um, it would be a whole lot different situation. And so we find ourselves looking at the situation that we have. And it's difficult to contemplate how things can work because our only experience is what this is that we have. We never get to experience the things of God in application because why would anybody want to try it? Because once you try it, you're going to find out it's going to work. And once it works and you know how well it works, you're going to never want to go back and that's going to put a lot of users and a lot of other people who don't like to work and just like to push papers and, 
and get a paycheck, um, you know, going to make them have to forage for a livelihood again. And it's just, <laughs> it's it's amazing. And it, you know, it comes back to the principle loving your neighbor as yourself. If you were to tell your, you know, your neighbor and say, well, yeah, I'll give you a thousand dollars, but let me, let me charge you, you know, let me tell you that it'll cost you $1,100, you know, um, and that's not giving with no expectation and letting God be the increase, you know, because he says that when you do it to another, it's as you have having done it unto him. So, um, I don't know. I didn't have a lot on my mind here tonight. I, I, I just didn't, uh, I've got some other notes that I was putting together and stuff, but I didn't really follow my notes very well or anything. And, just found myself thinking about my conversation with my state rep and and this whole idea is just so foreign to so many people um, that he's a good old Catholic, you know, and still won't shuck his Catholic and all he does is scratch his head and say, well, I'm going to, you've given me something to chew on. You've given me something to chew on. And it's like, man, stop chewing on it. Start swallowing it and let it nourish yourself. <laughs> Oh, man. But at least we're glad we're free. And I feel badly for all those people that have died. Heavenly Father, I do. I I really do feel badly for all those people that have lost their lives and lost their dreams and their hopes and their desires and their ambitions and the love of their lives. In these ill-gotten, no-win wars, Father, it's it's a shame what we've done. We fought our own brethren, our kinsmen in the flesh, time after time after time, and all for the sake of following after evil and calling evil good. So, Father, I, I remember the people, and I realize how they laid their lives down in vain because it has not protected my freedom. It has not made me more free, and it has not made me more blessed. It has actually made us more cursed. And Father, I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your people would be, would be opened and that your ears would once again be attentive to the prayers of those of your remnant who are calling unto you and asking you to heal our, hand, our land and that you come in amongst us and dwell and and walk with us and guide us and bring us the individuals that can help us to to reapply your words and your laws in our lives, in our countries, in our cities. Father, the wicked have played their hand and they're playing it good. And Father, it's my prayer that they're overplaying it and that soon your anger will will awaken that you'll come against the wicked as they come against your people and oppress and wickedly abuse your people. So, Father, I just pray that those lives be remembered for that reason, that, that we sinned and we went astray. We lost, allowed those lives to be lost in that way for callous disregard. And so, Father... I, for one, humbly ask for forgiveness for any part that I've played in unwittingly participating with that. And I pray for forgiveness for 
for any continuation uh, of of participation with that which you've desired us not to be a participant in. And I just pray, Father, that you know our needs and the oppression that is upon us and the shackles that we are attaching to our children's children's generation. I ask for forgiveness for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well. Amen. All right, brethren, I guess it's another night. Anybody have anything they want to add or anything? Otherwise, I'll sign off if you're all ready to. Uh, When you were talking, this thought came to me, and I'll be brief. It used to be against the law in the state of Texas to have payday loans and car title loans because it it was uh, considered predatory. Yeah. So, but now, just like all the other pathetic things of the United States, I'm sure we're doing it now, but... The point was, the reason it was illegal is because people lost their titles to their cars, and they never got their pay. Their pay. And so I was just sitting here thinking, the usury is really the same thing. It really has a, a similar effect on the people. It's just, it's just. Uh, it's uh, marketed differently. Well, yeah, and the but principle, it, the borrower, the principle, the borrower is servant to the lender. <clears throat> People see that, they they hear that, they know that, they they get that in in some respects. But yet, we don't understand that the reason the school board is the way that it is. Our legislator in Wisconsin <clears throat> had it in their power to do something with this mask mandate. And they didn't do, and I'm just using that as a, as a, they didn't do it. And the reason they didn't do it was because there was $20 million on the table. Uh-huh. And until, until these, one of these states, I've said it before, stands up and refuses all this federal money and gets to where they stand on their own and they're totally on their own and they're not beholden or subservient to this federal money, Will they ever be able to tell anybody, get out of our schools, get out of our medical establishments here, and get out of anything else, our state houses or otherwise, until they can get off of that proverbial nipple? And this is what the usury system has done. It has given the impetus for everybody to become servant to the lender. And that's where we're at. And the only thing I'm supposed to be servient to is Christ, to our God, our King. That's the only thing we're supposed to be subservient to, and his wills, and his statutes, and his judgments. So usury creates idolatry? It does. Because he said either you you are... it sounds like a sin. 
<laughs> well, it is, because Christ said, he said, you can't serve two masters. Either you will love the one or you'll hate the other. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Well, see, now that's clarification. Thank you there, Douglas. Yeah. Well, I didn't his mean words to are not. Yeah, his words are not in vain, are they? No, you're not prolonging no. anything. But. I, I, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's just like a light switch. Flick it on. But just my word, my word will not return void. How different life would be without the money lenders. And yet, at the end of the day, God allows them to be there, doesn't he? If we won't do his will, he's perfectly fine with allowing whatever to be there that we want there, that we won't get rid of. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that was a thank you for that message tonight. That was a interesting. Well, now I guess it's time for me to shut down. Yep, I hear you. All right. Well, uh, Rich, uh, I, Russell, if you've got to go, we've closed in prayer. And, and Rich, I haven't had much uh, conversation out of you. I'm sorry I've been over overstating my welcome. Uh, what's up over on the East Coast besides 50 cent tax on gas? You're relaxing the, uh, the mask mandate. But these stupid people keep wearing it. There's a bunch of big stores and stuff that don't require it, but these idiots still wear them. Outside, too. What's that? They wear them outside, too. I mean, you can't get any stupider than that. You cannot get any stupider than to cover your mouth so you can't breathe correctly outside and do exercises. They're wearing masks. How stupid is that? uh, I'm just sitting here thinking God will let you be really stupid if you want to. Like the prodigal (laughs) son was wallowing in the fecal matter of the pigs. Then he began to see, didn't he? I mean, that's pretty far down. Well, I tell you, it's it's all about the profit for us. Stupid is as... Stupid does. Bingo. Yeah. So these idiots, yeah. if they weren't going to be stupid, they deserve what they get. Well, there was a study out today, and I don't remember where or who, but it was legitimate, uh, I guess. They studied the mask issue, and they said unequivocally it does more harm than good. And this is what we've been saying since day one. And yet, in California today, right now, they are still 
oppressing people with that mask. And I'm talking about outside at the beach where some of the cleanest air in the world should be. So anyway, we've we've talked about that before, hadn't we? Yeah. Well, good night, everybody. I enjoyed it. All right. Good night, good night Russell. Good night, Rich. Good, good night, night, Isaac. Jeremiah. See you guys later. All right. Good night now.